Yo. Head up, think fast. You're about to feel the blast. It's the dopest podcast on the net. Oh, yeah. All us geeks, fresh your bet. We round the world. We round the net. So get ready and get set. Because we make it look easy. No sweat. Jeff and Jordan, the host. Yeah, they be the best. From the north to the south, to the east, to the west. They cover movies, comics, TV shows, books. These guys gonna get you hooked. Don't stop now, just take a look. And don't forget to sign our Facebook. Cause what they doing is board games, video games. Yeah, they on it. They fly like a comet. Interviews is up. This podcast is pure. Give voice to your inner geek, that's for sure. Geek out any topic. No one ain't gonna ever, ever stop it. So if you wanna go and get it on, then head to allisgeeks.com. Welcome to episode 59 of All Us Geeks. I'm Jeff King. And I'm Jordan Steinoff. And we're here to give voice to your inner geek. <laughs> Dusty geeks. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Uh, so here we are, episode 59. Uh feels weird to be recording again. Yes. <laughs> Seems like we did it just two months ago. <laughs> it's That's too soon, too soon. <laughs> we got to back off there. Pump the brakes. I know, it's like... uh I don't want to know you. <laughs> Let's see. General intro type stuff. Patreon. Talk about our Patreon account, which is doing really well right now. Let's talk about Patreon, baby. <laughs> Bring it around. <laughs> Full circle. Uh, we're at $135.85 a month right now. Thank you. All our supporters. Awesome. Yes, that is amazing. Adam C., our buddy Adam, joined. Bring us up to 135 That was very nice of him. One of the things that some people, if you follow us over on Patreon or you check it out, I and I don't think I told you this. I know I talked to a bunch of people about it. I removed the $60 a month option. I saw that. Yes. Okay. And my reasoning behind that was... Nobody was jumping on it? No. Actually, <laughs> there were several people that wanted to, but I kind of started thinking about it. And we had, remember, if you, you might recall the one... It was confusing people, basically. Mm -hmm. Remember we had the one person that was like, um, so I pay you through Patreon for this ad space. And then, you know, and, and so we, we went past a milestone and then we dropped back down because of that. Uh, because I told them that's probably not the best way to do that. <laughs> and the fact that for sponsorships, I like to keep a tighter rein on that. You and I like to talk about them. We don't accept every sponsorship. We turn away quite a few sponsorships. And since that was a sponsorship thing, and it was more of a potential for dropping in, dropping out, jumping us on a milestone, dropping us back on a milestone. I just really felt that that was a good one to pull off and just keep internal. Mm -hmm. And maybe at some point you and I can talk about maybe a couple others like in the 15 or something like that and, and what we can provide for that. But I really want to try to keep as much as possible our Patreon account to those that really want to support us on a monthly basis versus dropping in and out and stuff like that. So um, I talked to a few people about it and I, and it had been kind of rattling around in my head for a while. So I just finally went out there and yanked them because I really didn't want that. I, like I said, I had a couple more people ask about it, but they were going to be like for a month here and a month, you know, it's just not really what I want to do with the Patreon account. Right. So that's why I did that. Of course, we talked about Mixler in geek news, but just again, we are checking out Mixler uh, and if you check out the link on our website and go over there, if you follow us on Mixler, that is how we're going to be live streaming our main episodes. 
from time to time. We're we actually will continue to do it now. Uh, what we're trying to figure out is if we're going to keep or upgrade, I guess, the Mixler account to make sure in one shot we can cover an entire episode. Because <laughs> right now we can only stream an hour at a time. That is what I had for general stuff. Did you have anything? No, I'm good. All right. Game reviews. Brought to you by. Brought to you by John R., one of our Patreon supporters. Thank you, John R., for supporting us over on Patreon. All right, so game reviews. We're actually looking at two games tonight. Uh, we're going to look at, first, we're going to look at Table Golf, which is a game from Zagix. And it is a card-driven dexterity game that can play two to six players. Plays pretty quick, like a 20-minute-ish 20, range. Uh, now that depends on how you design the course. That is, that is depend on how you design the course, <laughs> uh, which we'll get to in a second. <laughs> uh, and it's all card-driven. Everything in it is cards. You get your golf ball cards, which are in a variety of colors, uh, so they can tell whose ball is whose. And you get the hole card and the tee card, so where you start from and where you're trying to finish. And then the rest of the cards, most of the rest of the cards, are a deck that makes up that are hazards. So you've got your water traps, your sand traps, and the rough. And there's multiples of all of those. And then you have weather cards, which are optional. And weather cards are some kind of condition that will affect the hole for the entire play. Uh, so you basically draw one before you ever start putting hazards down. And they do things like one of them is usually you have to flick hazards on when you're putting them on. You might have to drop them. Uh, one is you got to be eye level with your ball, uh, different things like that. So there are all kinds of different conditions that will affect gameplay, basically. And then, of course, the three hazards affect gameplay as well. So water is you have to flip your card like a coin. Uh, sand trap is, is that the pinky and I think that's pinky and thumb. No, pinky and ring finger. Pinky and ring. Yeah. And yeah, then, that's right. Yep. And then it's middle finger and thumb for the rough. Yep. You have to specifically flick your cards in that manner if you use those. So you're going to take the hazard cards for the first hole and you can play as many holes as you want. The rule book recommends three to four holes for a typical game, but if you want to play a longer game, you'll play for more holes. Objective is uh, to get your ball, be the first one to get your ball into the hole without touching any other cards. And you do that by flicking it across the table. That's where the, the dexterity part comes into play. So you have to, every hole, you set up the hole, and you set up the course, basically, for that hole. And you do that with the hazard cards that we're talking about. Like I said, there's multiple water, multiple sand, multiple rough cards. They're all mixed together, and they're divided out as evenly as possible. It doesn't matter if they go out 100% evenly. Uh, you just deal out all the cards. And then for the first hole, whoever you, you mix in the hole card as well. And whoever has the hole card will be the first player. And so they decide where the T is going to start, where the hole is going to start. And then you start taking turns flicking cards, hazard cards, onto the table. And this is going to make up your course. This is going to be the things that are in your way to get into the hole. Now, a couple of things come into play here. As soon as you've got two of any type of trap on or any type of hazard on the table, from that point on, you don't flick that type of hazard. You build it off of the hazards that already exist. 
hazards of that type that already exist uh, because different types of hazards can't be touching each other. If you flick a card, a hazard card onto the table and say you flick a water card on, it touches a sand card, you have to pick up the water card and flick it onto the table again. So you keep doing this and then once all three types of traps have at least two cards on, then you just take the rest of them and start building them off of the ones that already exist. That's going to be your hole. And then starting from the T, you kind of make sure your part of your hand is touching the table and that's up to you. So you're starting at the T card, you'll start there. I know I usually did it by like my wrist, mm-hmm. uh, which made the most sense to me, but uh, however you want to do it <laughs> and you just, uh, flick your card, and again, you just kind of wherever it lands, you deal with that situation, and everybody takes their their proper turn order, and you keep come back around and keep going until somebody lands on the whole card without touching any other cards like hazards or anything like that. Uh, if you happen to flick your card onto two different type of hazards, the player to your left is going to decide which one of those you have to do. We played some really quick holes that went really well and then we our very last hole we designed a murder course that was designed to never make the game end we decided to do our own version of the 17th at sawgrass and it was novice golfers yes it was it was ugly it was not good at all. There was barely breathing room around the entire hole. <laughs> there was we landed on the hole several times, just not only on the hole several times. And one other thing I should point out is, you know, you can if you happen to flick from the T and land on the hole right away, uh, you take two weather cards instead of one weather card, and the weather cards are uh, how you basically score points in this game. So even if you decide not to use the weather cards, keep them handy because they will be your point total. So once you, if you're the first person that scores a hole, you take a weather card, it's basically a point. If you happen to go from the tee all the way to the hole, you take two weather cards uh, for getting the hole in one, basically. And then however many holes you, you play, once you're done, whoever's got the most weather cards would be the winner. If you have a tie, I believe it's play another round uh, and see who wins that that next hole. All right. So with that component, sir. It's a deck of cards. Yeah. <laughs> it's glossy. It's bright. It's colorful. The grass looks like grass. The sand looks like sand. The water looks like water. It was, uh, it was good to see the art upgrade from this version. Yes, as opposed to the blank cards. This is Which, water. Which, fun fact, the artist is uh, from Minnesota. That did the upgrade. So uh, Alicia did did those for Aaron. So it was kind of cool because on one side is uh, the golf ball and the color for the golf ball. On the other side is kind of a character. So even if it flips over, you still get the color and you get something different other than the ball. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of cool. And like you said, it's it's a deck of cards. Um, it does what it needs to do. It it functions properly. Uh, I like the fact that. He used the weather cards for the scoring, so it's all kind of contained. Yes. So you're not keeping score There's off no to the chips. side There's or no anything like that. Actual golf score pad or anything like that. <laughs> yeah, the, the components are really solid at all, and it's a very compact game. It's all it fits in a tuck box. It's a very good pocket backpack style game that you can take anywhere, and the way it plays too, 
you can play it anywhere. You can play it on one table, multiple tables, on the floor, however you want to play it. So it lends itself well to kind of travel as well. All right. So the mechanics, what do you think? My favorite part of this is really the setup. I mean, it's an enjoyable game, but <laughs> like you say, you could play it on any surface. And I think the mechanics of this being a dex game and dex games aren't something that I like because I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> this I really liked. And I think setting up the course, I think this is definitely a game you, you would want to do long tables with just mm-hmm. to, to, cause it's fun, you know, and, and I don't like dex games, like I said, but setting up to, the course and then the flicking, it reminded me a lot of um, the hockey cards when I was a kid, you know, just mm. looking hockey, <laughs> closest of the wall, topsies, bounce back, stuff like that. So, you know, that's what it reminded me of. So mechanics, it's, it's just a little bit of course planning and flicking the cards and then trying not to be too frustrated when you realize your amusing course idea is actually evil. <laughs> um, no, it's uh mechanics are pretty solid. Yeah, I think it plays really well. Like you said, dexterity games, I can, I can give or take usually. Uh, this one I had, we had a lot of fun with and set, like you said, setting up the golf course was a lot of fun. I mean, we got some really evil chuckles out of what we were doing until we realized, <laughs> like you said, Oh crap, I've got to flick a card into this too. <laughs> Maybe that was back up, back up. <laughs> so we had a lot of fun set, setting up the game. And I think the weather cards, even if you if you use them, add an interesting twist as well. So yeah, something a little bit different every hole. Having to use your offhand. There's a lot of good game mechanic manipulation mechanics in the weather cards. Yeah. Uh, and then even if you don't use them, uh, it's still with the three different types of traps and stuff, and it's it's very fun and frustrating all at the same time. <laughs> Uh, and, and was a lot of fun to kind of play. And it was a kind of a quick little game. And it was, I don't know, it was just kind of, it was, it was a nice different take, I think, for us to be able to kind of stand up, walk around the table, flick some cards for a while, mm-hmm. swear at where we were landing the cards, just like regular golf. Yeah. <laughs> you shake that, buddy. <laughs> All right. So rules. Rules are, you're basically looking at about a six page rule book, little mini rule book, by the way. Again, this all fits in a tuck box and they are pretty uh, clear, pretty concise, uh, does a nice job, tells you what the different hazards and stuff do and everything. And they're all also written on the cards themselves. Mm-hmm. So once you know the rules and, and know and understand how to do setup, uh, the rule book really doesn't come back into play because everything you need is self-contained in the game itself uh, while you're playing it. So that's kind of cool. So rules did a really good job. Again, this is a pretty light game, so there's not a lot to wrap your head around. You don't have to really start getting into deep concepts. Uh, you just need to know like what the different hazards do and kind of, again, read over the weather cards and see that. So uh, rules, I think, were very, very well done. Teachability. What do you think? Uh, it's pretty easy to teach. It's There's not a lot of rules here. And like you said, once you're used to the book, everything's on the cards. So teachability, pretty high. Yeah, I agree. It was pretty easy to teach. This is an easy one that kind of, like you said, uh, a backpack or pocket style game that you can pull out for just about anybody and get it on the table. Replayability. What do you think about replayability? There is high potential for replayability here. It's a dex game. so. 
it's going to be more of a party game than a hardcore game game. But assuming you got the right group of people that want to play it, yeah, I, I can easily see this being more than a monthly game if that's if that's the type of games your group plays because it's definitely not even as party games go not your standard party game it's not like Pictionary it's not like Cards Against Humanity or anything like that it's it's active you're up there you're doing things you're building the course obviously you're going to tear down the course if you're going to do multiple holes you know and it's just fun that's that's the best description I have for this is it's a fun game and I think that it is so fun will be the biggest driver to replayability. Yeah. And I think you, you touched on something and I just want to kind Sorry, of. Sorry, that was a bad touch. <laughs> it was a good touch. <laughs> I don't know. I haven't seen you in a while. <laughs> it's, I, I don't know how I feel about the touch yet. <laughs> I'll let you know when it becomes a bad touch. <laughs> I'll let you know when it's a bad touch. <laughs> but the fact that you build the course and tear down the course is not a hindrance. Because, I mean, all of the cards are going into one deck, so it's just pretty much like swiping the cards together, shuffling them up real quick, and you're flicking the the cards onto the course to make the course. So that isn't a hindrance. That isn't a huge time factor. That isn't something that you're going to necessarily dread or anything like that. In fact, it's kind of fun to build the course, Mm -hmm. Uh, like we said. And that's one of the things, again, for replayability depending on how you flick the cards and how you build the hazards and stuff, you're never going to necessarily play the same course twice, the same hole twice. And then if you also factor in the weather cards and when they come up versus how you build the course. So there is a decent amount of of replayability here. Like you said, it's kind of a party game. I can see this as a potential, again, depending on your group, if you like dexterity style games, if you've got a bunch of people that don't, then obviously not. But uh, I can see this as a, a filler waiting for people to show up style game too. Sure. Because it's so easy to clean up even just, okay, everybody's here. Uh, let's, let's wipe the table and get ready for, 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 you know, six, seven people to be here now, that kind of thing. So, uh, I, I like it from that aspect. It's, mm-hmm. it's got a lot of cool little things going for it. All right. So theme, sir. It does everything about it screams golf. And I mean, I'm not a big golf fan, but even I, understand the basics and I, 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 I know the concepts and it is, it's, it's called table golf and you're playing, you know, a card based golf game on a table. It doesn't need to be a table though, you know, or uh, like you said, I don't know that I'd want to, I'm far too old to be getting down on the floor for a game these days, but <laughs> the younger kids might want to do that. <laughs> I'm just saying, I mean, you think, think about like all the werewolf games, all the stuff that happened in like the hallways and crap of yep. Gen Con and stuff. You just have a hallway game or something like that. Sure. Or, exactly. Yeah. Anywhere there's a long table or, you know, a couple small tables that you can put together, you know, sure. Theme, it says tabletop golf or table golf. It is table golf. The, the theme is there. It is visible everywhere. I can't stand golf, <laughs> <laughs> but I can play it in card form just fine and have fun with it. Uh, I'll play this. <laughs> yeah, I'll play this. So, yeah, it, it, I like the theme. I think it does a good job of representing the theme with the mechanics and, and now with the extra art and all that good stuff. So I think it's done a really good job. I, I think the theme fits well for this game. We even discussed the mini golf expansions that could potentially yes. happen with this game uh, to kind of take it in another level. <laughs> so we even had fun trying to think up new ways to play this game potentially or new cards that could be brought into the I game. I can't get through the windmill. <laughs> Stupid windmill. I'm on my 12th stroke. Just 
Jordan, go stand over there and pinwheel your arms. <laughs> See if I can get a card through. Windmill cookies. <laughs> All right. So, of course, our last one is Fun Factor slash Overall, which we've kind of covered. Horrible uh, game. Never want to play it again. Worthless. Uh, how did this ever make it to this house? Um, no, we, we had a lot of fun with this game. Uh, I enjoyed it. Don't I, speak for me. I will speak for you. you There's no we here. There, I'm cutting your mic. <laughs> uh, we had, we had a lot of fun with this game. <laughs> and I think this is one that I could easily pull out with again, the nieces and nephews coming over. Uh, Megan does play golf off and on. So I think she would enjoy it. We haven't played it yet, but. I think it has a nice, it has a nice universal appeal, right? It's a theme that's not going to necessarily turn off a lot of people unless you really hate golf. Uh, and I really hate golf and I still enjoyed the game and had fun with it and was willing to play it. So thumbs up for me. What do you, what do you think, sir? Go ahead. Speak for yourself. Well, I will reiterate that, uh, I thought this was a very fun game and I think it would be great with your nieces and nephews. And <laughs> I think Megan would have a lot of fun with it, even though she hasn't played it yet. <laughs> Such a dick. <laughs> uh, I liked it. You're right. It's it's all ages. It's all uh, it, it, it's just all around fun. Assuming you are not like a hundred percent, you know, PTSD on either golf or Dex games. <laughs> all right, we're going to take a look at the Great Snowball Battle. This is a game by Matthew Link and Jason Snape. And uh, it's pretty much exactly what it sounds like. <laughs> you're going to be making a uh, you're, you're in the middle of a snowball fight out in the yard. All the kids. There's a bunch of different locations that you can try to hide and, and get yourself cover. You Very- know, you just said that. And I thought of the perfect expansion <laughs> out in the yard. Uh-huh. Great snowball battle prison edition <laughs> Nice out in the yard. <laughs> uh, nice. So the, the idea is to be the last kid standing in the in the big snowball battle. I am worthless now. Yeah, pretty much. Now? <laughs> oh. Uh, nope. This is a another it's a 2 to 6 player game and again plays in about 20 minutes. So another nice quick game. It comes with a snowball deck which has uh 61 cards that make up your snowballs and your quick shots and your events. It has a location deck with like 22 different locations that have differing ability, cover ability. So it's a numeric, right? If yep. I remember right. So there's a numeric that basically lets you know how much cover you're getting for the location that you're currently at. There's an item deck of 22 cards and some of those modify the game a bit. There's a gear deck with 18 cards and then there's a kid deck with 10 different cards and each kid has a different ability. You're going to start with a kid. And whatever their ability may be. And you're going to start with three pieces of gear. And basically what you're trying to do is not lose your gear. Because once you've lost all your gear, your mom comes out and yells at you and tells you to come inside. <laughs> Setup is pretty much that. You're going to start with your gear. You're going to start with your kid. And then you're going to have a certain number of cards. Two cards, I believe, each. Yep. Uh, and then on your turn, you can either throw, clear out, or use an item with an action that's kind of like an event card. So if you throw, then you have a snowball that you want to throw. So you're going to target somebody, throw it at them, 
And that's going to kind of start kind of accumulating in front of them. And your snowball and whichever modifiers it might have, uh, either from your, like your kid's ability, maybe some of your items uh, modify some stuff. But basically, it's going to have a numeric total as well. And once you, was it over? Ex- meter exceed. Meter exceed the uh, number for the location, then anything above that, or if, if you did damage above that, the kid takes a hit and loses a piece of gear. And then they're now sort of open to, if they stay there, <laughs> to take additional hits because every additional hit coming through now will just go through if you lose three pieces of gear. Like I said, your mom comes out and says, get your butt in the house. <laughs> and you're trying to be the last kid standing. One of the things you can do on your turn then is you can clear out, which means basically you leave that location, you get rid of your location and any uh, snowball cards and stuff that were in front of it, and you grab a new location off the deck. And so now you're hiding in a and different items. spot. It clears out your item. Too. Yes, it does clear out your items too. You're right. So you can do that. And so that's one of the ways you kind of stay in the game once your location's been targeted one too many times. <laughs> and you can use an action item, and action items can do all kinds of different things. You've got uh, the snow shovel that can fling two snowballs together at one target, which is pretty sweet. <laughs> uh, and you can also play events. So whenever you draw an ev- whenever you draw an event, so if you're drawing cards, uh, if you ever draw an event, you basically play that immediately. Uh, and there's various things that for that. Um, here's one that everyone discards all of their items, which sucks. So yeah, I mean that's uh, that's pretty much the gist of the the game. Uh, you continue to try to pummel your opponents with snowballs. Uh, some of them are pretty harsh. You can put gravel. Yeah. Uh, awesome. you, you <laughs> just do various things like that. Quick shot. We should probably talk about the quick shot a little bit for a minute. Quick shot is if you have it in your hand, let's say um, say Jordan throws a snowball that has a three on it at me. If I have a quick shot that is also a three, I get to basically retaliate. So uh, I'm still going to get hit with the three, but I can quickly go, okay, well, you're getting three damage as well. I, I get a retaliation off. So that's what the quick shot snowball. But you can also use the quick shot as just a regular snowball if you want to. Mm-hmm. If it's in your hand, you just want to use it. Um, so that is pretty cool as well. Anything you want to add to? No, I mean, that's it's a pretty straightforward <clears throat> game. It's, it's straightforward. You've got the, the gist of it there. Uh, I think the only thing I didn't cover is, I think, what is it? At the end of your turn, do you draw back up or? Yeah, you always have to be a two card. So you draw up yeah. after you, you throw your card. Or you, you draw immediately, right? Yeah. So even if you use a quick shot off of your turn, yeah, you, you still draw back, back up. That's right. You're always at two cards. That's right. Uh, unless that's what made running into that series of events back to back to back to <laughs> yeah. back really annoying. <laughs> that's right. Cause even if you draw an event and you have to play an event, you still get another card. So you draw as long you eventually get to a point where you have two cards in your hand. Yeah. So that that's, and unless there's something in the, like if you have an item or something that allows you to have more than two cards, you're always going to be at just two cards. And like I said, Last kid standing. Uh, you just keep doing that until there's there's one kid left. Now, there are some variants that you can play, and one of those is to kind of maybe not have the player elimination side of things, and I think that is 
Oh, I can't remember what that one was. Was that like once the first person's out or something like that? I don't know. There is a variant for... There is a variant. We talked about it, but my takeaway was this strikes me it's a fast enough game that player elimination is not really going to be... Yeah, it, it, player elimination is not going to be that big of a deal. This is one of those games where it plays quick enough that I don't mind the elimination. Yep. Now, we did play the two-player variant, uh, and we'll talk a little bit about that. I mean, it's not it's not that much difference, but yeah, we'll just we'll we'll talk about it when we kind of get into it here. Uh, so, components for this one, the first thing I think we will mention is we didn't know what the little crystals were for. Yeah, still <laughs> that, don't that un- unless you guard. found them. I, uh, I found some. It was like a Kickstarter exclusive kind of thing where you could use them for some. I don't know. It really didn't factor into what we were doing. But other than uh, the crystals, which I I think also was kind of a Kickstarter exclusive kind of thing, they sent us a Kickstarter edition to review, mm. but we didn't use them because we didn't know what they were for. There was nothing in the rule book about them. I had to go look it up on BGG <laughs> afterwards. Other than that, it's all cards. The other thing we didn't understand, the tuck boxes very much. Yeah, it comes in a big box, but then they put tuck boxes in there. So three was it three yeah, I mean, and it was kind you can of the, break them up, break into, out the deck, but n- no box ends up being full that way. So it's if that was also a Kickstarter bonus, it's an interesting bonus if you want to break it down and get rid of it down. the big box, I guess. <laughs> break down for me, fellas. <laughs> but I guess that doesn't really impact componentry because you don't yeah. need them. So at its base, this is another card game. Yes. <laughs> It's it's pretty much a card game. Lots of cards because uh, mm-hmm. there's a lot of different decks. So, but it it is a card game. The quality of the cards was uh, was good. I didn't have any issues with the cards. I thought uh, the artwork was uh, interesting. This is a slightly different art style than I usually like, but it's fine for this game. It's very again, it's about kids playing, having a snowball fight in the yard. So it's very cartoonish. Very well, God, I, I don't even want to say it that way. Either. No, it's not cartoony. It's very, I was, I was going to say it's actually very, it looks like animation. Yeah. You know, it looks like some very, not even simple animation. Cause I know I couldn't draw that, but it's, <laughs> it's it, not stick figures. It, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it does look like, like old school animation yeah. rather than, than cartoon. And, and I like that in for this game. It, it has a nice feel to it. The, art style with the kids throwing the snowballs and all that kind of stuff. I actually kind of liked it here where I might not like it almost anywhere else. You mm-hmm. know what I'm trying to say? Yeah. <laughs> it seemed appropriate. Yeah. So I, it, good job. It, it, you, there's an art style that I might not normally care for that actually did draw me into this game. Uh, mechanics. what do you think of the mechanics overall? Really solid. Everything is pretty straightforward. We didn't really have to refer to the rule book for anything except to try to find out what the crystals were for. <laughs> uh, everything is pretty self-explanatory. After we got through the basic setup, all the actions are well-defined. All the snowballs, well, there's only the, the, the counter-strikes, or I should say the uh, quick shots. The quick shots that have writing on them or rules on them. So mechanically, it's very sound. It's very fast. Uh, and, and it's not at all um, complex. Across the board, it was it was pretty good. Now, there were a few either cards, well, not necessarily the cards themselves, but the characters, the oh, kids. Oh, yeah, because uh, yeah, we weren't quite sure where to 
to play the character actions, if those counted as your action or if those were just like an interrupt that you could do at any time and you could still do your actions. And some of them were clearly better to be played with multiple players. Mm -hmm. Uh, So we, I think the one time we put a couple kids back and, and rechose or I did uh, cause it was more of a multiplayer kind of character and we were only playing the two player variant. Other than that though, I mean, like you said, the mechanics work really well. It was uh, another nice quick game that, you know, just throwing snowballs at each other and, and trying to stay outside as long as possible and dodge into different locations and, Getting stuck out in the field, in the yep, open field. Yep. <laughs> Cover three. <laughs> so, yeah, it all works really well. So, rules overall. Um, Jordan kind of already touched on it, but the rules are pretty decent. There are just a few questions, minor questions that we kind of still had. Nothing that we couldn't get past. We got through the games pretty easily. And overall, I think what's not, well, it's all in the rule book, but what's on the cards, if you read it, it's pretty self-explanatory what you get to do with it, that kind of stuff. So I think the rules do a solid job. And again, we're looking at this, uh, this isn't a tuck box game. This is a bigger box game, but even with this rule book, it's only a four page rule book. Uh, and the back page is like examples and artwork. So are, uh, showing the cards that go with the examples. So yeah, if they'd uh, gone with an even bigger box, this could have been down to two pages. So rules are, are pretty uh, small and uh, pretty concise and do a good job of getting you going with the game. Uh, all right. So teachability. Uh, I think teachability is high. You went through the rules and it was, well, I don't recall you having to, well, there's not a lot of pages to flip around, but <laughs> I don't recall you having any problems finding anything that we were looking for again, except for the components that were apparently Kickstarter. Uh, but the, the rules, very self-explanatory and you explain them to me very quickly. And other than trying to decide whether our characters were worth playing at two players, we didn't really have any problems getting going after you'd, uh, after you'd explain it to me. Yeah. This is a, again, pretty straightforward game. So there's not a lot. Once you've gone through again, a four page rule book, very small four page rule book with lots of pictures, by the way, mm-hmm. uh, even on the other pages that aren't the back. It's a Denny's menu. <laughs> yep. Uh, it's, it's actually a good, yeah, yeah, I'll take a little bit of the snow plow. <laughs> so it's really easy to get through. It's very easy to digest. So with that, it's very easy to teach as well because there's not a lot for you to necessarily retain once you've gone through the rule book. Uh, just Make sure you understand setup, stuff like that. And again, it's like throw, clear out, use an item, and make sure you draw up. And pretty pretty straightforward. Uh, and again, the does the amount of snowball damage you've done to my location meet or exceed it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, it almost does. Maybe I clear out. That's right. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> that's the, actually, that's one thing that I liked about it. There are, it took a while for us to find them, but we eventually did find some pretty high powered snowball. So there was the potential for like OSKing uh, a location. Yeah. Just, oh, you're out in the open. <laughs> Here's my eight <laughs> point snowball. Yeah. All right. So replayability. What do you think about the replayability on this one? This is a little too thematic for uh, high replayability. It's not, this is for me, for my mindset, this is one I'd really only want to play in the winter. Just, <laughs> just because it's the snowball fight. It's, there, there's nothing wrong with it. 
and with the variable character powers and there's a quite a big location deck and quite a big uh, item deck. So there's, there's lots of potential for replayability, but I I just think that it's, it's not going to get it because it's so, it's so, again, this is just my mind clearly themed to be a winter game. It's, you know, it's, and maybe that's just me. There's nothing stopping it from having replayability because I think it suits kind of intro gaming. It's, it's definitely a light game, but it's, kind of cutthroat enough if your group is that way that uh and fast enough if especially if you've got a cutthroat group that you could definitely see some ganging up to to eliminate quite quickly um there's a lot of potential for replayability but just for me i I just look at that and i go it's a snowball fight i i'm only going to play that in the winter or this month apparently (laughs) (laughs) see i i can almost imagine i think i i mentioned this to megan one day of just gathering all the games we have and and revisiting your childhood. So we've got best treehouse ever, <laughs> the great snowball battle, and what the food. <laughs> See, this really reminds me of <laughs> what the food. A little bit more freeform in that you're not having to determine who you're interacting with each each action segment. Right. But it's it has that feel to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I wonder a little bit about the replayability myself. Uh, you're right. I mean, there are. A lot of locations, a lot of items. There's the variable powers for the characters. So all of that mixed together makes for a what should be a good formula for a replayable game. But I'm not convinced yet, I guess, that it has that high replayability factor. It, the potential is there, but I don't think it has the depth. Yeah. Because in the end, there's only a few. Uh, it's just the Counter-Strike snowballs that and a few of the action cards that let you kind of interrupt. So in the end, it's kind of still, I'm going to do everything on my turn and then you're going to do everything on your turn. Yeah. Which is not necessarily ideal. Uh, if there was more kind of, and maybe we just didn't see them in the actions or the, uh, or the events, I should say, or the items. But if there was more interrupt other than the counter strikes, if there were the quick shots, why am I going? <laughs> you know, if there was more interaction that way or something like that, I think there would be more, but in the end, it kind of just turns out, t- turns into a little bit of, uh, I'll do my turn, you do your turn. Yeah. And maybe that's, maybe that's what it was that I was just missing that little bit of extra. And like you said, you're right. Maybe we didn't get through enough of some of the cards, uh, in, in the game. And, and well, we certainly ground through a lot of the events. <laughs> yeah, we did. So yeah, I, I'm just, like you said, it has the potential for replayability, right? But I'm not convinced that it's a highly replayable game. Uh, as it sits right now. All right. So theme, what'd you think of the theme, sir? I thought it was fun. I mean, heck as an adult, I still pick up a pile of snow and throw a snowball (laughs) at somebody every now and then. Usually somebody younger than me who's too afraid to throw a snowball back at an adult, even though they just got pegged in the air. But, uh, oh, it's fond memories of snowball fights as a kid and catching the frozen gravel and, you know, the pine cone and crap like that. So, and, you know, dodging behind a, stop sign or a snowplow you know that's the kind of thing no it's thematically it was quite fun and 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 everything in the game uh lends itself to putting you in the snowball frame snowball fight frame of mind all the artwork is well kids in winter clothing and all your your gear is winter clothing and there's snow on everything yeah the artwork is not full card 
you know, but they still manage to put a winter feel to everything that they're doing on the cards. So the theme very strong and and I and enjoyable. Yeah, when we were talking about the components, the artwork ended up pulling me in where it might not in a different game. Uh, and like you said, it, the just the overall feel, just the even the locations, little things like the dusting of snow on this or that, and and it it all just worked really well and. The feel of, I, I did kind of like the, is this when I should clear out and run to another location or should I try to stand tough for one more and throw another snowball or, you know, so some of that was really kind of nice and, and a lot of fun. So I think the theme came through really well, uh, again, for something that we're just sitting around and flipping cards over at each other, but just the overall idea and the theme that pulled in and I think it pulled it in really nicely. All right, so fun factor slash overall. Definitely not as high as table golf. I like it, but it's a little bit too single player multiple players playing single-player games kind of a thing. It's enjoyable. I definitely think it's a good family game, definitely a good all-ages game, because it's just some basic math and some basic uh, reading skills. Now, sometimes reading skills do 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 escape me, so... Um, <laughs> Uh, I think it's definitely a good all ages game, good family game, good intro game. It's definitely a light game. It's a fast game, like we said. The, so the player elimination on it isn't as big a deterrent as it right. normally would be for me. But I, I'm just lukewarm on it. It's not bad. It, it's just not something that I want to break out on a regular basis. So enjoyable, sure, but uh, bad, no. But just just not something that I, I want to break out a lot. Yeah, I got I agree overall. The other thing too that we should mention cuz we talked about it when we were playing it is it's a 2 to 6 player game. It should maybe be a 3 to 6 player game. Definitely. Uh cuz 2 was just a little too vanilla, I think as well. And that was one of the that's maybe kind of coming into our review a bit here as well. Uh it would have been nice if we could have maybe got Sarah and Megan and played a couple multiplayer games. Yeah, but we that saw the events said, I mean, and the actions. There wasn't a whole lot of... Yeah. No, I mean, that being said, I mean, we enjoyed it. We got fun out of it. But I don't think even more players would necessarily, like you said, bring extra interaction other than, hey, I'm throwing the snowball. Again, it's there's not a lot you can do unless you have a quick shot in your hand, right? Mm-hmm. Or maybe an item that does something. or, or But it's it's a few and far between kind of thing. So, like you said, it's it's more of a everybody's playing their own thing and you're reacting after the fact mostly to should I take a turn and do some other things or clear out mm-hmm. um, and try to protect myself again. And then, oh, crap, you get open field. <laughs> <laughs> and here comes the eight. <laughs> what was it? Remember that? You had that one string where you were just running through the longest yes. open field ever. <laughs> and uh, then when I finally got behind a snowbank, I got the open field cover bonus. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's an enjoyable game. We had fun with it. And I, I like we say, it's of the two, I would play table golf first and continue to play that. Snowball battle, though, I, I still have that. Warm fuzzy in my in my mind about playing best treehouse ever, building my tree fort or best yeah best treehouse ever, b- building my treehouse. Little food fight in the cafeteria and then take it out into the recess yard for a snowball battle. And that just sounds like a good a good night of gaming to me on a themed <laughs> a themed night of 
revisiting your childhood a little bit. So it has a place, uh, and and I'm not upset that we've had to play it and that we we got a chance to take a look at it. It's a decent game. It's just on the very light end of filler and, like you said, a l- little too solitaire at times. So there you go. That is our game reviews for this episode. Covered table golf and the great snowball battle. What we're watching. Brought to you by Doug Lewandowski. Thank oh, you very he, much, Doug, for he supporting gets a whole, us. A whole name? Well, I only do full names for people I know that are fine with me doing their full names. All right, then. Everybody else gets protected. <laughs> uh, but Doug is one of our Patreon supporters, so thank you very much for supporting us, Only Doug. the names have been changed to protect those <laughs> silly enough to support us. I did not go through and do – well, one, I have obviously, as you're fully aware, my schedule has been shit. <laughs> so – um, I've got a few things on here, but basically it's almost the same list that I had last time because it's more or less like Megan and I will watch one episode of something while we eat dinner and then I go do something else or, so, or try to play catch up or something because I haven't been home very much. Uh, I was working extra and all that good stuff. So um, I have some stuff, but not a lot. So you want to go or you want me to go? I'll go. All right. Because I suspect... We might have a lot of overlap. I I think we do. (laughs) So Arrow and Flash are both wrapping up. Damn it. Here's the thing that sucks. Has Flash wrapped up? No, this week is the finale for both. Our stupid DVR stopped recording CW for some reason. Just out of the blue. So we and and it's the one one uh damn channel that's not on demand. So we missed the last flash, I think. So I'm we're pissed. It was a team up up too. Yes. It was really good. Ah. Yeah. So both have been fairly solid, although last week's up of Arrow was a little bit not dramatic since here's this life or death moment. Oh, wait, you're all in the new show. <laughs> well, no, even beyond that, right? Was the, the life or death moment, the cliffhanger. And then immediately was the promo for the team-up with all of them in it. Yes, (laughs) yes. And Megan and I just looked at each other like, well, I guess we don't have to worry about that. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, I guess nobody died. No, way to go. You know what? I appreciate the team-ups, and I'm happy that they said that they're going to kind of continue them like an annual type thing. Mm -hmm. That's pretty cool. I like the whole crossover, annual crossover type concept. But maybe don't spoil your own show in the <laughs> very next commercial that you show. Next week on. Yeah. What the hell? Everything that you thought was going to happen in the next 10 seconds won't matter. <laughs> uh, supposedly, Augustine, uh, in his note to the fans, said that they he hopes, so it's a he hopes, uh, that they're going to be exploring the multiverse next season. And... Um, I think that would be cool since they put a big, they've got the cosmic treadmill in Star Labs. So that, well, it's not yet the cosmic treadmill, but it could be the cosmic treadmill. So it would be cool to see Jay Garrick or somebody like that. Uh, finished Daredevil. Enjoyed that. I think a couple, so good. A couple slow parts in the middle, but it uh, overall me. it, it was really enjoyable. 
when he went to the gladiator to get his, co- the dude that made his costume was the gladiator. And I was kind of hoping that his first costume was going to be the yellow and brown costume. Oh, yeah. But cause <laughs> they, they showed a, a picture. There was a schematic or something for the gladiator's yellow costume in the background. Um, so I was kind of hoping that he was going to, he was going to go with the yellow costume first, but it was good to see the, the traditional reds. Uh, really enjoyed it. And I'm glad that it's getting a second season. Uh, Game of Thrones, I think we're, oh no, Sarah started to fall asleep during Sunday's up. So <laughs> we're 45 minutes away from being caught up, but it's, um, slow start this season. I think it's interesting. Yeah. I like, I'm amused by, I don't know where the fans thought they were going to go this season that they're angry now for the divergences and apparently the giveaways uh, of things that might be happening in the book. I don't, I don't understand why the fans are so rabid on this when there have been divergences every season and there are just things that you knew they were not going to cover in the books in the TV show. I mean, it's always been the, the butterfly effect, right? I mean, uh, we've we've talked about that, I think, in the past as well. But it's, you know, things that clearly didn't happen back in season one yes. <laughs> kind of facilitated things not happening in season two, three, four, four, you know, or things happening differently. Now, this last episode obviously has huge, huge controversy around it. People have decided that they're going to stop promoting Game of Thrones and all this stuff because of uh, uh, the rape, which... I mean, granted, it, it it's not. I think it's funny because it's it's not the character that it happened to in the book, but it still happened in the book. Yeah, I mean, it's the same as going back to the Sept with Jamie and and um, Cersei. You know, right. it, they changed it up a little bit, especially more the timeline than anything else. But it's it's there. It's in his books. It's right. I mean, if you're gonna. At this point, whatever. One, you don't know what the outcome is yet. So you really don't know, like, if that's, I mean, the character has time to do something about it, you know, that kind of thing. Or, and this is the part where you draw the line. How about we go back to season one where a brother and sister were screwing and threw a kid out the window? <laughs> <laughs> You know I'm what okay I mean? With that. Yeah, that was, was alright. That was kind of cool. Uh, <laughs> you know what I mean, though? Because that kid's like, not on this season. So that's, that's easy yeah, we haven't seen that kid for a while. Um, <laughs> so it, it's, I don't know. I mean, it, it didn't, I guess, I understand being upset and having potential rape scenes, even if they don't really show that much. And this wasn't like a full-blown, mm-hmm. I'm trying to say somewhat vague. Cause, I mean, I know you know what's going on, but was it wasn't a, a full blown here you know kind of thing, in your face like some other things that have been in Game of Thrones right well even the, again the one with Jamie and Cersei was far more well it was far less violent than it could have been in terms of you know rape but it was still very uh, there are some people that I talked to I guess they haven't read the books and and they they still don't think it was really rape I'm like <laughs> she she was saying no <laughs> yeah but and so. Watching that kind of scene, yes, is uncomfortable. It's kind of supposed to be uncomfortable, right? I mean, if it's not uncomfortable, maybe that, that you need yeah, maybe yeah. you need to seek some therapy. <laughs> uh, it, so it's supposed to be kind of an uncomfortable, and it's a character that we know. Um, but it didn't bother me in that aspect because 
I'm fully aware of the books. I'm fully aware of some of the uh, various things that happen. And like I said, to me, I don't know the overall outcome. I would much rather wait and maybe get pissed off if they go the wrong direction than I think they should have for the outcome. You know what I mean? Then get upset about this just because of what show we're watching. Yes. <laughs> I guess. I mean, and that's just me. And, and, and again, I'm not advocating rape or anything like that. I said that, that was a very, un, it was an uncomfortable scene to watch, but to me, that means they did it well and they did a good job with it. And I'm still waiting to see the outcome of what happens because of it. Cause it, it's basically how the show ended that night. Mm-hmm. So you don't know. Yet. Always a good, you good don't know yet. To end on. Yeah. I think that's it for TV. Uh, saw Avengers two, obviously. Yeah. And Mad Max Fury road. We never got to go see it. We were going to, but we got busy. Uh, yeah. So flash arrow for me as well. Orphan black. Oh yeah. Orphan black. Yeah. Oh, how can you forget orphan black? Actually, cause I'm finding this season to be pretty slow right now. Yeah. It's interesting. I'm finding the dudes, the dude clones to be kind of annoying more than sinister. <laughs> and so I think that's part of my lack of enjoyment for this. No, that's not true. I'm enjoying the season. I just find them. I think they're supposed to be sinister, but they're, uh, I'm just finding them annoying. <laughs> I don't know, I've been enjoying the season so far. Um, I like, uh, what's her name? The crazy Russian chick. So she, Helena. She, Helena. Yeah. yeah. So she's cool with her with her imaginary her scorpion. scorpion. <laughs> Silence insect. <laughs> so yeah, that's cool. Um, Game of Thrones, obviously. Avengers: Age of Ultron, we did go see as well, and thoroughly enjoyed that. Uh, and then the only other thing I had is Silicon Valley. We've been watching that. And that's an easy one for us to watch too, because that's a half hour of <laughs> show. So it's like, oh, let's watch a quick episode of Silicon Valley before we go do stuff. But tomorrow night, Roots. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I I fear the day we play binge watching or power watching because <laughs> uh, there's a lot of stuff to catch up on. What we're reading slash listening to, sponsored by Aaron G, one of our Patreon supporters. So thank you very much, Aaron. I don't know where the, I don't know what I did there. A A Ron. A A Ron. <laughs> Thank you very much, Aaron, for supporting us on Patreon. <laughs> oh, good lord. It's been a while. It's been a while. All right. I've got one thing, pretty much. Okay. <laughs> I I'm still reading various things that probably nobody cares about but me. Uh, but Megan and I did just power read the Walking Dead book 11, finally figured out, holy crap, we don't have this one yet. And it came out a while ago. So we went through behind. So I brought it in the house. I set it on the table, said, hey, look, look what I got, Megan. Before we went to bed that night, she goes, here you go. <laughs> <laughs> she just just went through it. It took me a few days because I read it only at night right before bed. But that was pretty good. And then other than that, uh, hopefully next time we record, I did grab some comics off Comixology that I was behind on. I just downloaded them last night. So uh, we'll have some other things I'm reading next time. I have a marginally longer list. Sadly, reading too many manuals at work. Not even manuals. I think a manual would be more interesting. It's mandatory learning. So I'm doing stuff on security. I'm doing about a bunch of CISP intro courses right now. So that's... Interesting and actually helpful, but also, oh my God, how much can you do in a day? You know, <laughs> um, on the fun reading, 
Ah, fun is kind of loosely used for this first book. I gave up on Tongues of Serpents, the Naomi Novik Temerary book. I just, I, I think this is my third time trying it, and I've just <laughs> given up. I can no longer stand her writing style. I've just, no, I stopped. Listening to Blood of Innocence on my phone right now. Um, Mitchell Hogan, this is the second book uh, in a series. It's still enjoyable. It's my gym book, and I haven't been going to the gym recently. Um, so I'm only getting like a half hour a week on it. So, uh, I'm really getting my, my audible credit value there. <laughs> this book's going to last me three months <laughs> on the computer. I'm listening to Daniel Silva's The Heist. This is like book 15 or 16 in the Gabriel Alon spy series. Always solid books, you know, nothing, nothing really deep from book to book. The formula is always the same, uh, something to do with art and something to do with needing an Israeli spy to go kill somebody. It's an enjoyable series. If you haven't checked it out, you really should. Daniel Silva. On the comic side, I wasn't going to, but I picked up the first two issues of Secret Wars. because I kind of want to see what Marvel's doing with their universe restructuring. And the first one was interesting. It harkened right back to Crisis on Infinite Earth, which I find really amusing. Since I said, this isn't going to be our end of the universe book. (laughs) We're not having a crisis. Hey, look. A big white wave is coming by and destroying all the universes, and we're down to the last two universes. What a novel. <laughs> what a twist. <laughs> what a twist. But it's interesting because uh, it opens up with Doom talking to, I assume, the Beyonder Collective because uh, it says, we are beyond. And then it cuts to the story. Uh, it's it's interesting. It's uh, The first book was good because it was the last two. Well, it was the Ultimate Universe and and the core universe, 616 and the Ultimate. The last two universes colliding and both sides trying to get like escape pods off or try to figure out how to stop this or what they need to do. And then the second book, they introduced the battle planet and it just took a left turn. It was weird. It was very unsatisfying and I see he was doing some acid research before he started writing this, I think. <laughs> then I've caught up. I believe I'm caught up on Gotham Academy because I just read the, the Convergence tie-in or the Convergence one-shot. And this is the one that's taking place at the, the private school at Gotham. It's mm-hmm. one of their kind of YA books. And it's enjoyable. The The characters are always fun. And, and the mysteries they've got for them is is interesting. And you're learning more about some of the characters' backgrounds and stuff like that. And there's enough geeky references in there to... I mean, outside of comic geekery to be enjoyable to me. But if you didn't like Ready Player One, for instance, you might not necessarily like the geek references here, but because it's that kind of thing, it's kind of thrown out a lot of stuff that if you know, you're, you'll either be amused or you'll go, yeah, I know, <laughs> you know, kind of a thing. Um, but it's enjoyable. It's me. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I just, I don't know why I couldn't get into Ready Player One. Everybody else seems to absolutely love it. Also caught up on Rat Queens, which. More due to their publishing problems rather than the content, switching artists and, and throwing out a random one shot and some other stuff in there to try to, to make up their schedule. Uh, it was a bit of a letdown from the first arc, but it was still enjoyable. Just if they'd managed to get out the issues in, in a timely manner, I think it would have been a tighter story. That one shot kind of irked me. I was out of nowhere and it, it really it, didn't the way it ended. add much. Well, yeah. The ending was just like, blah. Yeah. We're done. <laughs> um, and then it's like, so I was waiting for like part two. Yeah. I was like, is it one shot number one and like A and B? Is there more? I, I would No, even, we're just going up to issue nine now. Okay. Right. I would have even been fine if they like did each individual character one shot and then kind of 
brought it back into the story afterwards or something like that. Like we start learning. Well, by the time off. they got down to the final bat, are you caught up with the the end of the current arc? No, that's one of the ones that I okay. I've got. I just downloaded last night a couple of uh, issues because I had to go back and the, read the, it. The one I think maybe the one right after the one shot is where I'm at. Yeah, because I went back and reread it. Because by the time I got to ten, I had to go back and reread it because I it didn't make sense to me where they were. <laughs> but then all the little one shots about the characters' histories that they did, it made sense. Suddenly I'm like, oh, okay, this was an acceptable, if not some annoying way of <laughs> of doing all these backgrounds. But I, I liked it. The new artist, I like. He's he's doing a really good job on the art. I actually like him a little bit better than Upchurch, I think. It was uh, not that he was bad, but I, I, this is a lot more to my liking, I think. And uh, yeah, it's I thought it was a little bit weaker arc than the first but everything about the first arc was kind of over the top. This was a little bit less less over the top and more attempt at uh, a little bit more drama, I think. Uh, there's still some humor there, I thought. And uh, Gary makes an appearance. Yeah, as long as I keep yelling at Gary. <laughs> <laughs> and then I've read the first four issues of the new Star Wars title from Marvel. I think there's two more issues left in the first arc. It's enjoyable so far. It definitely does harken back to the original Marvel comics, if only because they're making an effort, I think, to have the characters drawn in the same kind of costumes they had or they were portrayed in in the comics. It's, uh, oh, and actually, yeah, Darth Vader, I read the first two issues, of the two, three issues of the Darth Vader series too, which is interesting. I don't like it when they take ultimate evils and then try to turn them into people. It, it just makes no sense to me why Darth Vader is out negotiating with Jabba the Hutt. Just the Empire goes somewhere and either you give them what they need or they take a Star Destroyer to your planet. And it doesn't matter if you're the Hutts or not. So it's, I'm not quite sure how they're going to progress that to a point that I find acceptable, but I'm going to give it a shot because it, it's interesting enough. It's, it's interesting to see Vader. There was <laughs> the, the best part was they're out on Jabba's sail barge. And the salacious crumb is there on Jabba's tail and it cackles just like it does in in Return of the Jedi. (laughs) And the next frame is Vader pointing at it. And if you have any feelings for that creature, you'll ensure it never does that again. (laughs) (laughs) Something along those lines. So there, there's uh, enough uh, humor there to, to, to be enjoyable for a Vader comic. And I'm generally interested in seeing how it ends. So, I'm liking both the Star Wars and the Vader comics. There's a Princess Leia that I've picked up, but I haven't read yet. Uh, and I'm looking forward to the Lando series that starts in July. What we're playing! Sponsored by Nathan H. Thank you for supporting us over on Patreon, Nathan. I don't have a whole lot more than I did last time either. So, uh, real quick. Uh, and these are real quick plays. These are things that I play, uh, when I've got a minute here or there, or if I'm like waiting for a video to render or something like that. But Far Cry 4 is still the game I'm trying to get played to completion. Uh, and I'm not doing myself any favors because I do all the side stuff before I do any of the extra missions. So I'm like doing all the hunting and doing all this other stuff. Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's right. There's a whole campaign mission I should do sometime. Uh, and the only reason I've started doing some of them is because there are things I can't unlock until I do certain <laughs> missions. 
Uh, so that is my uh, try to play until it's complete game. Uh, still checking out the Neverwinter MMO every once in a while. A nice little quick thing to do from time to time. But I pretty much play solo. Just everybody's running around doing their own thing. Uh, Mortal Kombat X, of course. So I get on there every once in a while and play a little Jason Voorhees. Get off a couple fatalities with him. Feel good about myself and then go back to whatever I'm doing. And then I recently grabbed um, from Steam that was on sale, Windward. Have you uh, seen or heard that one at all? No. It's kind of a, it's pretty much, I, I kind of call it like almost pirate sims in a way. It's, you're sailing around your ships and you collect uh, collect things to take to, you, you can buy things to trade. You're basically trying to build up, make your ship bigger and better. Uh, and you trade and take on quests and you might hunt pirates, uh, but it's all pretty much from your ship. So you sail around and then, uh, the more quests you do for certain towns and stuff like that, they grow. So they get bigger and they might offer you more things and more quests and you, you, you get your reputation and all that kind of stuff. And you can switch out. Like sometimes I found like, two captains of ships that must have went overboard somewhere. So I brought them on. I sold them off, but you can switch them out <laughs> to be your actual captain versus <laughs> what you've got. Uh, so just goofy little things like that. I mean, it's, it's a pretty calm game and it's one that you can just kind of pop in, pop out. So, and it was like, I don't know, 12 bucks or something like that on steam. And I heard a lot of really good things about it. So for 12 bucks, I was like, sure, I'll check this out and just veg. <laughs> So that's pretty much, I haven't really done a lot of tabletop recently other than review style stuff. So things for videos and whatnot like that. But you and I haven't gotten together and played anything in quite a while. Yeah, I guess we're going to have to change that in the next two weeks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, on my side, the ongoing Imperial Assault campaign has been going on. We actually <laughs> won a mission. So we have some uh, rebel saboteurs with us now. And uh, now we're going on a punishment mission. I've gotten in quite a few games of Star Wars Armada. I'm really, really liking that. It's really, really solid. It's definitely a different feel than X-Wing. So if you're worried about just having a flight path capital ship game, it's it's not that. Check it out. Got in one solo game of Temple of Elemental Evil. Definitely want to get that into a multiplayer game. Uh, but it's pretty much the same as the other big box dungeon crawls they have, a Shard Laundrist and, and Ravenloft. It's all the same stuff and it's all the same form factor so everything is combinable if you want to do that i know a dude buddy of mine he's combined all three of the first games into one deck you know it's everything's there I'm like that's strange when you get to the final room and there's a vampire and a dragon you know or a dragon <laughs> you know that kind of a thing are you going after Ray Strahd or are you going after the dragon or or what but it's, it's interesting it'd be fun to, to play it once like that just to see all the variety of uh, clashing themes, but also the variety come together. And then, like I said, I joined a Numenera group. I Skype in on Wednesdays and I'm really enjoying the system. It's very, it's an enjoyable game. It's more story driven than it is combat driven. It's not a combat RPG like, you know, D&D. And, you know, the combat side of Shadowrun is very counterintuitive sometimes. Why do we need all these dice if only two sides count? <laughs> you know, um, this is very... Very simple system, very enjoyable, and it, it's really geared towards telling a story. And sometimes combat is part of that story, but it's it, it's more geared towards um, making the dice an aspect of the game, not the core of the game. And that's what I got. That is actually one of the things I've debated, like having 
a limited $15 a month on our Patreon and maybe running a monthly game. Mm. I mean, we've had some, some interest in that, but run something like that on Skype or Google Hangout. So that's one of the options. If anybody would be interested in that, please let us know. Uh, I'd be willing to try to find the time for that and, and work that in. If that's something people would be willing to support us at. And again, I'm thinking $15. I mean, we've already got the one, five and $10. Mm-hmm. So 15 is the next natural kind of spot to go at. And not to mention the time it would take to put a game together and make that happen. So <laughs> that's what I'm thinking. Also want to thank people that hung out with us on Mixler. I know we had some people off and on. Meow is still around. He came in and said that he actually has been listening since the beginning. Just apparently didn't want to talk to us when we asked him questions. Rosebud. But thanks for hanging out with us. Uh, Matthew, Mike, was great having you guys in as well. Luke and John. (laughs) So if this is something you are interested in, uh, make sure you check us out over on Mixler. And again, you can find... The link for that in the show notes and over on our allusgeeks.com page. Uh, there's a little Mixler thing that shows you when we're live or not. But if you click on the small version of our icon on there, uh, that takes you over to the actual Mixler page. And if you follow us on Mixler, I haven't decided what the magic number is yet. But if we get to a certain amount of following over there and enough people tuning in on a every other week basis, uh, we'll talk about upgrading so that we don't have to Are stop we going it. back every other week too, or uh, we're thinking about it. Uh, so we won't have to start every, you know, keep restarting the recording and all that good every stuff, hour. which would be very interesting for next time because next time anime Don should be in the room with us. Woo-hoo. So in two weeks, are we going to get three, two restarts in two weeks? Yeah, we'll probably get two restarts. Uh, anime Don will be in the room with us. All right. Well, we're down to under five minutes on the recording clock in Mixler as well. That's right. See you later, folks. And we are pretty much done with this episode. So I'm Jeff King. And I am the Canadian. Thanks for listening. Thank you for checking out a United Geeks Network family member. If you enjoyed it and are looking for other online media with a geek culture slant, head over to unitedgeeksnetwork.com where you will find The Game Huntress. Wherever there's XP or achievements, the Game Huntress blog will always be on the hunt. The United Geeks Network. You can broadcast your geekiness at unitedgeeksnetwork.com. Feel.